Welcome to the Life Chapters podcast, Real Women, Real Stories. Hi, I'm Stacey, and I am super passionate about showing everyday women like you that they really do have a story to share. In my opinion, everyone deserves to be heard. And on this podcast, you will get to meet some pretty fabulous women who have amazing stories to tell. Some of the stories you hear might trigger you, but they're all spoken by the women who lived them. Some of them will make you smile, some of them might make you cry. And welcome back to the Life Chapters podcast. I have a a brilliant guest with me today. Nicola J. Rowley is a strategic storytelling expert. She has a PR agency and she helps female entrepreneurs really find and showcase their life stories. This is why I wanted to get her on the podcast, because I know she's got her own story, but she works in the field of storytelling. So she's an ideal guest for me. Um, Nicola, welcome. Hello. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Whereabouts are you in the country? And what is the story you really want to share with my audience today? Well, first of all, thank you so much, Stacey, for having me here today. It's brilliant to be with you on your podcast. So I'm in Surrey in uh, the UK. And the story that I'd like to share today is, um, I think it's the one where up until the age of 40, I let life happen to me. But after that point, everything changed. And so I'm going to take you on the journey hopefully with me from that point so what happened was um I had a job like I loved it I trained as a journalist first of all um I'd worked in journalism for 13 years and then um I went across and moved across into communications so working in PR and I was working and launching lots of big brands and everything else um thought that I was maximizing my life I think is probably the best way to put it but I absolutely wasn't and behind all of this there had always been a massive massive passion for reading for storytelling and being able to write stories and I had somehow in those 40 years let it just fall by the wayside And I'd kept saying to myself, you must write a book. You absolutely have to write a book. This is the person that was, you know, winning the English prize two years in a row, which was unheard of. This was the person that was, you know, went into journalism because she wanted to be able to tell stories. And then somewhere along the line, ended up in broadcasting and the stories were still being told, but albeit in a different way but I just let it fall by the wayside. And then when I turned 40, uh, my son came along and he changed everything. Like literally overnight, my world turned upside down, inside out. And I was like, okay, now you really have to write this story. So I was like thinking, great, you know, I'm going to be on maternity leave and I'm going to write a book and I've still got the idea for that book it's a good book it will be a good book when it's written however when he was very little and he was literally about you know five weeks old or something I started reading to him 
Um, and I used to read to him um, in the mornings and he refused to nap, which was very difficult in those early days. But I used to see his enjoyment that he used to get from seeing the pictures in the books and the turning of the pages. And, and it was incredible watching this transformation of this baby um, being so animated. And basically it made me think, well, hang on a second. I really, maybe I should be writing a children's book because it really got me into children's books as well, because I was reading him the Gruffalo and I was reading him like, you know, Stickman and all of these kind of stories. And then I was like, okay, right, fine. So maybe we'll park that idea for the other book and I'll do a, a children's book. And so during that time, what happened um, was I was sitting there and I was thinking, mm, I need to write this book. And then when he was about, three months old four months old we took it we used to take him swimming and then one day after swimming um a little girl um was getting changed next to him and she was crying her eyes out and there was nothing that her mum could do um to console her she was trying everything and it didn't matter what it was did like she was really really upset and james at the time he was just lying there in his own little world. He was quite happy. Um, he just reached his arm across, held her hand, and just gave her the biggest smile. Now, at this point, he didn't have any teeth. So it was like a proper gummy smile that he's giving her. And she stopped. I think she was just so shocked. Hang on a second. I'm in a full-on meltdown here. Um, she just stopped and she looked at him and she just smiled herself and in that moment I could see the power of a smile so there I am thinking right I need to make the most of this you know time that I have on maternity leave from my job and I was just like there's something in that so it became the first book was written James and the Amazing Gift and the Amazing Gift is that child's power of using his smile um, through small acts of kindness to be able to pass on some positivity to others and in the end what James does is he actually reaches out through a smile to someone that really really needs it and having written it I successfully left it on my laptop for six months because you know hey yeah you're gonna rush but I go I've written a book but I didn't know what to do with it. And it's like anything. It's like if you if you look at yourself and you think, right, I've started a business and um, I'm going to do this and I'm going to put myself out there with PR. And then you go, yeah, but I don't know how to do that. So I'm not going to do it because I don't know how to get started. So I won't. And then I'll stop. And it's exactly the same thing. So my business coach at the time said to me, Nicola, we keep having all these conversations. You at the time, I was also running a photography business on the side. And I thought that was my way to be able to have the freedom lifestyle that I now wanted now that I was a mum. So I was like, right, OK, eventually I'll be able to get the photography business to the place where I can leave. And so we were having this conversation with my business coach. And she's just like, we just keep coming back to writing and books and all of this kind of stuff. Why? And I was like oh well it's everything storytelling is everything and she said 
okay, so what are you doing about it? And I said, well, I've written a book. And she was like, brilliant. What are you doing about it? And I was like, um, oh, I don't know. And it was the conversation that I needed at that time, which was basically the kick up my backside to actually go, right, that's it. I'm going to do this. And then I started researching what I could do. I found a publisher that I could self-publish with that would still make the book look professional, um, that would provide me with a distribution model that would enable me to be able to go to Waterstones and places like that and be able to walk in and say, you can order my book. Um, and it went from there. And then the first book came out and everyone just said to me, I have never seen you like this before. You are so passionate about this and storytelling and, you know, spreading the word and you're going into schools and you're doing all these, all these talks in schools and you're inspiring these children. What's next? And I was like, I don't know. Okay. So the second book has to come out <laughs> and bit working in PR, of course, I understood that actually there needed to be another angle. There needed to be a reason why people would buy the second book as well. So the first book, everyone was like, quick, support Nicola. That's brilliant. Let's do this. Um, and it was, um, there was part of it that um, a certain percentage went off to uh, a charity as well. So I had thought it through in that sense. But to make the second book even bigger, um, I asked TV's Dr. Ranch to narrate the audiobook version for me, which he promptly did. Now, in between all of this, is what happened is I did return to work and I really, really struggled. So I had severe separation anxiety um, from my son. I think it's fair to say that um, I threw myself wholeheartedly into being a mum. I mean, to the point where the, the health visitor came over and said, can you please remember that there's Nicola here too, not just James? And I was like... <laughs> Oh, I've forgotten who she is. And I think it, it's a thing that mums quite often do. Um, and I think also because James had had a, like when he was born, um, it was absolutely fine. And then two days later, he'd been rushed up to intensive care because his blood sugar levels had dropped um, and they were really worried about him. And so he spent the next, like, I think it was about 10 days hooked up on every conceivable machine. But I'd been apart from him in the hospital and it was really difficult because I was on one level and he was on the top floor and that's when it kicked in. And of course, me then going back to work when I'd spent 24 hours a day with him, it was just me and him. We don't have any relatives um, in the area there's myself and my husband but my husband was back in his job in the office so it was just me and James for an entire year and so I really struggled and going back into that I used to spend most of my time in the toilets crying my eyes out I mean I was in such a state and I like I don't think anyone really understood where I was coming from or how difficult I was finding the transition. I mean, you know, before that, before becoming a mum, I'd been all about the career and, you know, I'd won all these awards for the company and everything else. But then all of a sudden I was like, my priorities had completely shifted. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love what I do. 
I absolutely do. But James is everything and I can't get away from that. I can't, I can't find a way to be able to make the two fit together. There has to be a way and I don't want to have to choose. I don't want to not be me anymore. I want to still be me, but I also want to be the mum that I know that I can be for James. And that's where um, one night coming home, it was October, I think it was like 2015, and I was on the A3 and it was pouring with rain and the taillights were just stacked up in front of me. And I made the call to his nursery and I said, I'm not going to make it in time. And I'm really, really sorry. I left on time and everything, but the traffic is horrendous. And it had been the second or third time that week that I'd had to make that call. Knowing that your baby, I mean, he was only a year, like that he was in nursery and he was going to be the last one there. And he's just going to be wondering, where is she? Am I being picked up? Um, it, it broke me. And I completely and utterly lost it in the car. I was sobbing. And I was like, I think later that night, once I got him to bed, because I was only seeing him Monday to Friday for half an hour a day. I was like, this is not what I wanted it to be like as a mum. I know we need the money, but there has to be a way out of this. There has to be. I don't understand how we can be expected to have a family and then you hand over like someone else is now bringing up my child and I'm not happy about it. And so I really, really struggled. Um, I took redundancy from that initial job. And I made a pact with myself that what I was going to do was I was going to take on another role, but I was going to work towards becoming free. And I was going to do it in a way that would also work for me, bearing in mind that I'd been off for a year. So I felt like I needed to get all my journalistic contacts back up to speed and everything else. So I went back into a role, but it was only a year, a year's contract because I could see the end in sight. And that for me was going to enable me to get out. Um, I did that. And then, um, and in that role, I was able to work one day a week from home. So it was getting better. It wasn't like the five days, it was now four. And the hours that I could work, I worked from eight till four. So I didn't see him in the morning. But I could go and I would be picking him up from nursery at like five o'clock at night. So I had two hours with him on those other four days. So I was getting better and better. And then the next role that I took on, I mean, I left that role thinking, right, that's it. I'm going to quit and I'm going to just, you know, do my own thing. It spectacularly didn't have a plan in place. I was just so desperate to get to the point where I wanted to be. Um, but in the end, I did take another role on. And that role ended up being a four day week, half an hour's drive from my house. And it was eight till 4.30. So you can see like it was all, it was working perfectly because then I had that extra day with him and I could take him 
like out and I used to take him swimming because he's always loved swimming so I used to take him to swimming and because I was working at Thorpe Park we used to get uh, free tickets to the other theme parks so I used to take him to Chessington so he has no fear of roller coasters or anything he absolutely adores them because he's been on them since he was two so he like he absolutely adores all of that kind of stuff so we used to go to Chessington every single Friday after his swimming lesson it was brilliant um but the reason for telling you all of this is because when I got to the end of that year, even though it was a full time job, even though it was like I had a good balance and everything else, I knew I wanted to be the mum on the school gates. I knew that I wanted to be dropping him off, picking him up myself. And so I went freelance. And then in the following March, I set up my own business and um it's gone from strength to strength ever since and i've now got the freedom lifestyle that i always craved and that i was able to basically be there for him because that's what it's always been about for me and i think i think the moral of this whole story is a never give up but b you always always have a choice and I think sometimes you need to just sit and think, what is it that lights me up more than anything else? What is the one thing that I'm so passionate about that I want to help others with? And it has always been storytelling. So the writing of those books, James and the Amazing Gift, and then James and the Birthday Balloon, and subsequently, the third book, which was Mug the Wump, The Dancing Wizard, which was written in memory to my dad after he passed away. Um, those books were to pass on the love of storytelling to children. But I also love to help other people with their stories and being able to listen to their stories and really understand how, once they've told their stories, how to piece them back together in a way that a journalist will be interested in them and then they will then want to cover them and but it's much more than that because it's not even just the telling of the stories it's how once you've told your story how that story can then go on and impact others the impact that it can actually have on someone and how you can help through telling your story how you can help solve other people's problems so it's gone full circle but it's always, always at the heart of everything has had storytelling. It's so, you, your story resonates and I know it will resonate with my listeners because there's so many mums out there that are listening in and they might be in the same situation where they are wishing for more time with their children. They want to have the better balance and you are a perfect example of not giving up, being determined, but also having that plan in place and knowing what you wanted, because I think that's really important. You said that, that I've written down that you said that you could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think sometimes there's so many mums out there that do feel like this is just some black merry-go-round that we're going round and round every day and we're not getting off. Um, I wonder, now that you're out of that and you are living this life of freedom, how does it feel? Oh, I pinch myself every single day every single day I'm just like I'm so so grateful to be where I am 
but then also to be working with the people that I am as well, which is just, I found my tribe. I found a group of people that I genuinely love to kind of lift up and take with me and help them become more visible because obviously they're business owners, but through doing what they do, they've got these skill sets or their their dreams and the things that they're brilliant at. And by telling other people about those, they're then helping others. And I think for me, that's what it's also always been about. I've always been very much about how can we help other people? How can we lift others up? It's why that first book was about kindness. And the second book was about kindness, but in terms of friendship as well. Just really getting children to think about that. But I think it's something that we also need to remember as well. Um, just having that as adults, you know, it's really important. Like the simplest things can make the biggest difference. So for me, every single day, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm like, I love this. I love this so, so much and long may it continue. And that just makes me smile so much because you have a passion for storytelling, as do I. And the whole point of my podcast is very much about giving women like you the platform to tell their own stories but your passion shines through in everything you've told me today. You, your eyes are lighting up as I'm, I'm, I'm watching you, but you have this huge smile on your face, but your passion comes out in, in the way you tell your story. You are a fabulous mum, but you are also a brilliant storyteller. And you're also a great advocate for the medium of storytelling. And, and that's one of the main reasons why I had to have you as a, a, a quote or a verse or a saying that they sort of hang their hat on. Can you share what yours is? Yeah, absolutely. Right at the point where I was, I had to work through a lot of things. I'm not going to say that all of this happened overnight. I've given you a real potted history there um, because there were points where in between taking that redundancy and then getting the next role and everything out, there were some dark moments. However, I realised that I needed to dig deep and I really worked on my mindset. And this quote was everything during that time. And it's by the fabulous Audrey Hepburn. And it said, uh, there's no such thing as impossible. I'm possible, says it all. And funnily enough, there's um, a children's film. I think it's, um, I think it's called Bigfoot or something like that. It's one of these films. Anyway, someone comes in one of the characters comes in and they say um that's impossible and at that point i paused the film and i turned to james i said i want you to remember always impossible when you break it down says i'm possible and i want you to always carry that with you wherever you go and anyone that's listening to this podcast i want you to take that on board i want you to carry that with you wherever you go anything is possible you've got this and you can do whatever you want to do in life just go and do it and what a fabulous message to share. Thank you so much, Nicola. It has been my pleasure to be interviewing you. I will pop your contact details and everything anybody needs to know to how to get in touch with you and the type of work you do. I'll pop it all in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to add just before we finish? Um, I just, I'd just like to say that I think where I have been to where I am now is 
it feels like I'm such a different person. So if you are right at the beginning of that story, as I was, and it's not that long ago, I mean, it was only, what, six years ago, um, you can turn everything around. I don't want anyone to feel like they don't have a choice. You really do have a choice. And even if you're faced with, I've got bills or I've, I don't understand my way through this, there is always a way. Just take a little bit of a step back because when you do that and you allow yourself time to have a little bit of more of a, a wider look at what could be possible for you, you may well be surprised. Thank you. It's such a it's such a strong message to leave on. And remembering that word impossible, break it down. It's I'm possible and anything is possible. Thank you again, Nicola. What a powerful story. If you want more information about my guest or their story, check out the show notes. All the details are there. I would love to know what you think about this episode. Head over to Instagram at the Life Chapters pod and tell me what you think. I really would love to know. And if you have a story to share and you want to do it here on the Life Chapters podcast, please get in touch. My door's always open and I would love to give you the platform to share your story. 